Welcome back everybody. This is John Malanka with the United Patients Group. Be informed and be well. Today's special guest is Dr. Nigam Arora. He's an expert in interdisciplinary life science research with present focus on medical cannabis and cannabis and whole. He received his PhD from Purdue University where his research sat at the nexus of organic chemistry, medical device manufacturing, as well as nanotechnology. Dr. Aurora's longstanding interest in translational research and entrepreneurship led him to enter the cannabis industry where he has held positions as the chief scientific officer of a cannabis data company at, based out of Mrs., uh, me, Massachusetts, as well as the chief of staff and head of licensing for a multi-license holder here in California. Additionally, Dr. Aurora serves as a co-organizer for Cannabis Focus Symposia at the American Chemical Society, the ACS, and at their national meetings. These symposiums are organized by the Cannabis Chemistry, which is C-A-N-N, which is a subdivision of ACS, of which Dr. Aurora serves as a publication committee chair. Dr. Aurora also spent one year serving on the policy committee of the Humboldt County Growers Alliance, which is the largest cannabis industry advocacy organization in California, and probably the oldest too, we'll get into that. In his current position, Dr. Aurora serves as the Chief Strategy Officer at Via Innovations, a leading cannabis formulation company with a strong track record of bringing innovation to the space of medical cannabis. So, Nigam, I'll, 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 I'll greet you by Nigam, that's how I know you, uh, Dr. Aurora as well, but uh, welcome to the show, thanks for being on. How are you doing today? Yeah, so happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, doing great. Happy to um, get into some of these topics with you today. Yeah. That, so f first off, translational research. I know translational medicine. Can you uh, break that up? I know it's uh, uh, your scientists, uh, your background. Sure. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So translational research is something I'm particularly interested in. So what that means is it is the process of translating something that we do in the lab on the bench to something that we can take to the market, to the consumer. So often what we find in research, especially fundamental research, is that scientists and academics are chasing a theoretical knowledge and for the purpose of publication and for advancing their field on a theoretical front. So, so that's great for advancing research itself but without, but, but some of these things never make it to market. Now, the translational process is important because it helps us make sure that some of these most important advancements do make it to market. And there's actually, uh, for example, at Purdue, they have a pretty big emphasis on this and they have kind of programs for, for myself as a student. There were classes and programs I could participate in as a PhD student to learn and understand that process. And I actually, coming from an entrepreneurial background, had a big focus on that. So even when I entered a PhD, I was passionate about chemistry and about interdisciplinary science, but I wanted to learn not just about the science, but about how do we take the science and the scientific advancements to the consumer rapidly. So that's what we mean by translational. And so, well, let's go with the consumer, because what we do here at United Patients Group and bringing experts like you on is information education, you know, helping patients, their families, their doctors avoid the tangled web in this industry and, you know, having a, um, 
I guess a deadline like we did with my father-in-law, you and I have spoken off offline, you know, he was given two weeks to live and we were very fortunate, you know, it was the blind leading the blind back then. It was trial and error. Thank goodness we didn't have any errors. Uh, we had success. And so, but nowadays this industry is just booming with all these different products, what to trust, what to listen to, what to use. And so with scientists like you and bringing new mark, uh, uh, products to market, you know, how does a consumer choose the best cannabis products, you know, for their needs? Um, you know, when, when, when I said we, we jumped in this industry back in 2010, 2011, you know, THC was the buzzword, of course. Uh, and we were very fortunate in, in battling cancer with my father-in-law. He had a four to one ratio of THC to CBD. And so does THC matter? And is, are, is CBD, because everywhere you're looking now, it's kind of taken over the market. And so what are your thoughts of that? Totally. So yeah, I'll address, I'll address a few of those questions. So first thing is yes, THC does absolutely matter. But so I, I want to go back to your first question about how does a consumer, some of the baseline things to, to choose a good product for them. And, and then let's come back and then we'll incorporate in that a little bit of the components that they should be looking for. And, and as you've mentioned, ratios and stuff like that. So there's a few baseline things that consumers should be looking for. The first one is for safety and confidence in their brand. So be that a brand that contains, or, or I should say a brand or a product that contains THC uh, that is either sold in the regulated market, in, in their state regulated market, or maybe that is uh, homegrown where homegrow is allowed, which it, which it is in several states. And I'm a big supporter of that. I think it makes sense for people to be able to create their own medicine affordably at home. But wherever the source is, safety. So uh, the brand or the store where you're buying it, do they have certificates of analysis showing that these products have been tested by a certified lab as safe? And... On top of that, you can kind of check the track record. You can talk to folks um, at the store. You can talk to people in your network, maybe your doctor who you worked with to learn about medical cannabis, or even um, you got to be careful what resources you use, but there are online resources where people are, are posting reviews and experiences and stuff like that. So you don't want to rely too heavily on any one of these things, but it's, it's just like anything in life, having multiple places, multiple tools, you can begin to understand um, kind of holistically what what is going on with these products. So the other thing I would say in a similar vein is for people who are utilizing cannabis from uh, home grow that it's, it's equally important to make sure that it's being done safely because there are concerns with use of fertilizers, pesticides, things like this. So a lot of labs uh, will or at least when I was in Massachusetts working there, for example, I know there were labs there that would test um, home grow cannabis and you can do the same thing. You can get it tested to make sure it's safe. So, and then the other thing is just to build experience with people who have learned how to use organic uh, growing practices and stuff like that. So those, those are some avenues to ensure safety. Now going to uh, specific products and in discussion of THC and of other cannabinoids. So, this is really a very personal and condition specific topic. Uh -huh. But what, what I can say broadly is that 
for each person, there's going to be for each person and for a certain condition or need, there's going to be specific products that, or excuse me, specific cannabinoids or ratios of cannabinoids are going to be best for them. So for example, as you mentioned, uh, for your father-in-law, he was using a four to one CBD to THC ratio. Actually, the other way around, THC. I'm sorry, And back in those days, when you would say four to one, the four used to be uh, the THC. THC. And so that's why I would share you always know, because there are still some companies out there that you will, will use that same ratio, four, four to one. So for our listeners, four parts It'll say four to one ratio, four parts THC to one CBD, or nowadays most companies will say four parts CBD to one part THC. So please make sure you know because that could be a an uh, ugly mistake, which we which we've seen quite a few. It's an uncomfortable mistake, I should say, not an ugly mistake. So totally. Didn't, so didn't mean to cut you there. No, no, no worries at all. That that's an excellent clarification and an interesting historical perspective as well. Yeah. But anyway, so for example. Each individual is different, so depending on the condition, depending on uh, tolerance, and also things like uh, need for function. For, so, for example, if someone is recovering and they're able to take time off and they're not needing to work or drive a vehicle or do stuff like that, there, there may be um, different options for them versus maybe someone who needs to use uh, cannabis as medicine to mitigate pain or to mitigate other symptoms to regulate certain body functions and continue to work or do different functions. So CBD is, is great. It has a lot of benefits, especially in combination with other cannabinoids such as THC. And there's other cannabinoids uh, of interest too, especially here in California, we have pretty great access to things like CBG, uh, Delta eight THC, CBN, um, uh, THCA, CBDA, some of these kind of more novel cannabinoids. So we can get into more later what some of those are supposedly good for. But um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot to explore for the consumer, though. You know, you, you being an advocate for consumers as well, and with what you're doing, what, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. You know, you're talking about safety, you know, uh, use with confidence, grow with confidence. If, you, if you're doing a home grow, what do you say for the, the families and the, or, or the growers or the patients that don't live in legal states? Yes, they can grow, uh, they can grow, but they don't have access to really go, go test it to see, okay, do I still have, are there pesticides in the hair? Is there mold in my medicine? Um, mm-hmm. uh, is there any, you know, easy way? I mean, I always sh- share with people, you know, it's a beautiful plant to grow. Don't get caught. So I'm not advising anybody to, to break the law. But I also say, you know, before you uproot yourself and you become a cannabis refugee, fly out to a legal state, two days, two weeks, two months, whichever you're able to do, and see if this even this this medicine works for you, the plant works for you. Because the last thing, and I, I'm certain you agree with me, is that this isn't the golden pill, the golden ticket. You know, it's not, you know, here, take this and you're healed. Um, you know, so do you ever share that with, with, uh, uh, I guess consumers that you're working with? Yeah. So, uh, great topic and and a few feedbacks there. So one, I I agree with you, this is not a panacea and, and not only is it not a panacea, but a high quality cannabis flower contains hundreds of useful molecules. So as we were discussing, we're saying THC, 
that's one molecule out of hundreds. We tank CBD, that's one molecule out of hundreds. So, um, it, so that's important. But to answer your direct question, a few things that I would recommend. I do support what you're saying that folks who don't have legal options in their locality, I think that's great to travel somewhere where you can assess it in a legal and safe way and begin to understand it. I think that's great. The other thing I would say for people uh, doing home grow without access to testing, there are pretty well-known organic growing practices, pesticide-free practices that you can utilize to uh, kind of as a baseline avoid some of these things. So you're never putting harsh chemicals as nutrients in your soil. You're never putting harsh pesticides on your plants that may kind of stay there as residuals later. So, and, and then the last thing that I would advise is advocacy. So there's a long history and, and we can go back. That's, that's a whole topic for another show maybe, but there's a long history of advocacy and the way that we have legal cannabis in a lot of these states is that folks there cared about it and they, and they weren't afraid to stand up and say that it should be legal if nothing else for medical purposes. So that, that's another thing. I, I know it can be hard, but for, for some people, depending on their, their jurisdiction to make your voice heard and, and that kind of thing. But I think that in the year 2020 cannabis in, in so many States is a, essential business and COVID and all these things. I, I think advocacy is as important as ever, especially for those folks who don't have safe and regulated access yet in their local jurisdiction. Yeah. And I think the stigma is dropping, you know, as, as you and I talked, you know, Chris and I started United Patients back in 2010, 2011. Uh, and the stigma was there big time. Um, and we talked about this because remember I didn't use Malanka in, the, in my in our press releases and people got upset. And I asked you the same thing: How did you tell your parents? Because your sister is a Harvard uh, uh, doctor, isn't she as well? Yeah, yeah, she's a uh, a PhD doctor. Graduate. PhD doctor, and I and I said, uh, boy, how did how did you share this with your parents? Mom, Dad, I'm going to get into the cannabis industry. So, but the stigma has changed a lot. And I remember when you shared this with your parents, you said you sat them down. And you had a full on talk. He said, mom, dad, let me just talk. And mm -hmm. the entrepreneur and your dad and, and seeing what was going on. I, and I love that story. It was like, <laughs> son, you have my backing. Let's, let, you know, go, go for it. So having that parental support is really, really nice. Um, but bringing that stigma down, like you said, right now, we're in 33 states, including District of Columbia after this 2020 election. Of course, that number is going to go up. Um, you know, so it's it, people are realizing there's another way in by battling other ailments uh, with the help of cannabis. You know, bringing your opioid uh, use down, maybe avoiding chemo radiation. You know, if you if you if you have something as serious as cancer, um, you talked about the hundreds of cannabinoids in your cannabinoid book. What is your number? Because I've heard everything from 120 up to. 250. Where, where are you in there on, on the, and, and more being discovered each and every day. That's what, that's why. Totally. So I, I'm, I'm going to put a uh, caveat here that these numbers are not exact, yeah. but I'll, I'll just share some kind of general knowledge here. 
So uh, to clarify what I said is there are hundreds of useful molecules in the plant. So there are from recent presentations that I've seen with analytical experts who are actually doing the work to in their own labs validate how many cannabinoids can they identify. For example, Deddy Mary's lab at Technion in Israel does work like this. So uh, last presentation I saw, they were at 130 uh -huh. cannabinoids. So, but then there's other things we need to consider. So there are terpenes. So I've seen numbers, I believe, for really high-grade flour as high as traces of 30 or 40 terpenes in a single flower. Wow. So then we have other molecules, flavonoids, that are not terpenes, but still contribute to the flavor or some of these sensory inputs and may have uh, some other benefits down the line. Now, there's also a whole realm of other plant molecules. You think about any plant. Now, don't think about cannabis. Think about any plant out there. What are the molecules that make up uh, you know, these plant families in general? And what are the potential physiological or medical benefits of those molecules? So, so that when we stack all these numbers on top of each other, that's why I'm saying there's hundreds of potentially useful molecules. The, the other thing that I should clarify um, to get back to the cannabinoids is that there are in, in, let's talk about one strain, one flower. So if you go to the dispensary and you purchase uh, some flower, that singular strain that, that you have in your hand, maybe there's 10 or 12 or 15 cannabinoids in that thing that you have in your hand. I'm not saying there's going to be 140 cannabinoids in that one. That Those 100 of that, or 130, 140 number is what has been identified in cannabis in general. Yeah, yeah in, in the whole realm. So the other thing, kind of last comment I want to make there is that as we were discussing earlier about safety and, and awareness of the kind of chemistry behind what is in your product, what is in your plant, is that you can... Uh, often get this thing for these brands and it's pretty, it's becoming more popular in regulated industries like in California that you can request a, what's called a certificate of analysis or a COA. And more and more brands are becoming conscious of making this available to the sellers like the dispensary so they can have it there ready for the customers. So what I want to highlight as a, as a chemist is that, so on your COA, it may show that there's, you know, let's say there's, five cannabinoids or 10 cannabinoids and there's five terpenes. Let's just say, for example, 10 cannabinoids, five terpenes. Now that doesn't mean those are the only things in there. That means a few things. One, those are the ones a state probably tells the labs they have to test for. Those are the ones that the lab has the standards for and has the ability to test for. And then also, those are the ones that are within the range of detection of that lab's instruments. So, for example, if your certificate of analysis says there's 10 cannabinoids, you know, there could be 20 cannabinoids. And 10 of them you're never going to see because the lab is doing this as a business. They're doing this as a regulatory measure. They're not doing it as like a scientific experiment to identify every minutia of every molecular component in that flower. So just as a chemist, I feel the need to kind of clarify my statements there. So with you being a chemist, do you have those, that type of machinery where you can go in there and uh, 
not just stop on the 10 if there if there's 20 or 30 uh, other cannabinoids in there. I mean, they all have a benefit, you know, and, uh, and, and that's the thing that, well, yes, well, let me, let me get you. So in, cause I, I've worked with scientists down at, at University of California, Santa Cruz, and he would go in there and make his own medicine. He would test it in his lab and he would take it to another lab and it would be completely off. And he's like, wait, I know it because I grew it. I tested in our lab and why are your, your results different? Uh, back in the day where THC was the king and everybody wanted the, the highest rate ratios of THC, these labs would come back and they would say, give them high, high numbers. And he was like, listen, I don't need the high numbers. I just need, need to know what's in it for me to put it on the market, you know, to be, to have that, you know, third party testing. They're not going to trust the lab here at the University of California, Santa Cruz. Um, before I move away from THC, I want everyone, because a lot of people come to us and say, I want the medical portion of the cannabis plant. I don't want the recreational portion. And so tea, they all have, all these cannabinoids have their benefits. Your terpenes have their benefits, uh, even the flavonoids. And so uh, THC, as it's been proven to kill cancer cells, it's, you know, minute amounts will help. It's like having, you know, if you're gonna go do a wine taste and you have a sip of wine or you can drink three bottles of wine, three bottles of wine, you're probably gonna be completely loaded a sip of wine, you're not. And the same thing with, with, with cannabis, bringing it into the entourage effect while they all have their purpose in there. Can you talk about, you being a chemist, talk about the benefits of the flavonoids, terpenes, and the cannabinoids being brought together and uh, how that entourage effect works and why it's so important for our bodies? Sure, absolutely. And uh, I, you were saying something interesting about the testing earlier. So if you want, let's come back to that. But let me answer your direct question now. So yeah, the entourage effect it, is really important. And I, and I like how you brought that up. It's interesting. It's just an interesting comment. And I think it shows some uh, naivety on the um, for some consumers. And we're, we're all naive about different things. So So that's meant with no offense. But when you say the medical versus the recreational it, it's almost humorous because it, it's just one it's just one plant and it's really about how you use it the amounts you use it the products you're using that define that so anyways but to speak to the entourage effect yes i'm happy to so the the basis the most simplistic way i i can express it is that any one cannabinoid or terpene that you can isolate from the cannabis plant is likely going to be less useful for a medical purpose than a combination of these things. So for example, if someone is just to take straight THC, or, or here's an example that, that we can take. This is, this is a great one. So uh, a lot of people are familiar with Epidiolex, which is the first FDA approved cannabis based drug. Now, and that's, created by this company, um, GW. GW, GW Pharma, exactly, I was spacing for a sec. So now what some people don't know is that GW had a drug years ago before that called Sativex that was on the market for a long time. I, I forget if it's 15 or 20 years, it was on a long time. And a lot of people thought, okay, this, this is gonna be the revolution. We're gonna have you know, cannabis-based medicine on the market, but Sativex was essentially pure THC. And you know what? The patients didn't like it. The people that gave it to you for uh, cancer pain or for uh, wasting syndrome due to cancer and things like that, 
it didn't really work for them. And the folks who, especially who had used cannabis before whole plant medicine, utilizing the entourage effect, especially knew the truth. So this is just a really valid example of when that single molecule, the THC, even when provided by a big pharma company, it wasn't helping people. So now you look at their new drug, Epidiolex, it is mostly CBD, large, large portion CBD, but there is a little bit of other cannabinoids. So to take us back to the entourage effect, so at the very baseline, let's add two cannabinoids. So not just THC, but THC and CBD. And then if we're going to go into, uh, you know, you can begin to add others all the way up to when you get back to the full plant. So I, I, I explained it in one way, starting with THC and building back up, but I, I want to represent it in another way. So I'm a big believer in whole plant medicine. There is, it's interesting how nature and evolution works that there's a reason that these things have evolved and exist in the form they're in. So we take the cannabis flower and as we mentioned, a high quality flower will have a large amount of cannabinoids, a large amount of terpenes, a large amount of flavonoids already in that flower. So um, that is the broadest, most full-blown entourage effect you're going to get. Now, different flowers will have different, different chemical blends. And for folks who don't like to uh, smoke, there's a lot of other options. You can do a simple extraction at home with olive oil or with butter and things like that. So there's a lot of options for folks to get these molecules into their bodies. But then as we go down from there, there is, you know, in the industry, people who do extraction for to make kind of refined products such as, you know, Rick Simpson oil or other things like that. So through every step in refinement, you're kind of losing a part of the entourage effect all the way down to where you get to where GW was with Sativax where you have just THC. So I, I hope that answered your questions. Yeah, yeah. And, and with that Sativex, uh, was, maybe that was their beginning because I think now not trying to put you on the spot or correct you, I think they went, they are a 2.75 of THC, milligram THC and a 2.75 milligram of CBD. And their company has been around and I don't think they made any money on their Sativex product because they, they, um, people have replicated it, a one-to-one -one ratio, you know, uh, mm -hmm. is what people are doing. And, and it wasn't available here in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. Now Epidiolex, you know, I think they, they got creative and worked with our government here and, um, you know, the story goes that the U.S. government lent or leased the patent over to GW Pharmaceutical, and they came out with Epidiolex, changed the scheduling for that. Now it's this is not where I was going to go with this conversation <laughs> anyway. Sorry, man. But you no mean, worries, you, no worries, chemist. Um, but now Sativex, again, excuse me, uh, Epidiolex, bringing the stigma down because now your doctors are talking about it, your neurologists are talking about it, your pharmacists are talking about it. It's, ex it's accepted in pharmacies and pharmacies now. And it's, um, uh, I guess, uh, insurance covers it. Um, you have know, a dear friend, her daughter is on it right now. And I would, at first I was like, not going to work, not going to work, not going to work. It works. And they've been using cannabis for the last three, four years for, and she's an autistic, she's an autistic functioning autist, autism, uh, uh, female at 20 with, with epilepsy as well. And actually, Nigam, it's working. And so it told, you know, and I've seen it and, and, uh, you know, it, it's cheaper. Uh, 
uh, because insurance is covering it. But I've had, at first I was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And seeing with my own eyes that it is working, um, you know, I'd love to get Epidiolics on the show to, to explain this, uh, you know, because a lot of people are pushed away, but it's not available for, for everybody. Cannabis is not available for everybody, one, but also two, um, it's expensive, you know, it, and, and if you're going through that much product in a day, uh, for some people have to take high doses of CBD with, and again, I didn't want to go down the whole epidiolics uh, topic. Do you know if it's available in all 50 states uh, as, as, or is it only available in uh, legal states? I don't even know. I, I have to research that. Yeah, I'm uh, so... I'm not, I, I don't want to speak to that firmly, but because it is FDA, excuse yeah. me, because it is FDA approved, I would hope it is. Yeah. Also, just to confirm what you were saying, uh, I just did a quick search while we were uh, sitting here talking that you're correct about Sativex now. It is a one-to-one -one ratio. So just to clarify for the listeners, um, I think that either the... Um, formulation was changed from when it first came out, or maybe it wasn't Sativex that I was referencing, but there was a different drug prior. But, but the, the point of my story holds true from before that pure THC was tried before in one form or another for patients and it didn't work is the point. So, but, but, uh, but I, I see that Sativex currently as a formula is you're correct, does have that one-to-one -one ratio. And that's great to hear that, you, you know, folks, it's working for and i actually um, um and i'm sorry what was your direct question following that i don't even know but it, <laughs> i was i was thinking maybe it, maybe it was marinol that was a thc pill oh that's i'm sorry that's exactly what it was i said sativex but i meant to say marinol that's gotcha. exactly what it was so yeah, thank you for um, that and i and i actually i know a lot of doctors in this industry that are in illegal states that can recommend and they do that for some of their pain patients um yep. And just as they can get some cannabinoids in their system here too. So um, another, another conversation on on the pharmaceutical side of this industry uh, when it you know with with big with big pharma getting involved with there too. What do you recommend for cannabis naive patients? You know that first time they're you know again trial and error. Either they live in an illegal state or they don't want to. You know, or they're afraid to ask the, the, the question to their family members or doctors, and they go down there and try it themselves. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. I share this all the time. Um, not a one-size-fits-all. It's, you know, you have to look at age, the weight, the current health condition, as you mentioned earlier, the patient, any of other medications that they're on, uh, and, and, you know, sensitivities, you know. And uh, it's not just a one-size-fits-all, as I mentioned. Can you talk about... Um, what you would recommend for cannabis naive patients? Um, yeah, yeah, d definitely. So, and I, I think you did a, a great job of summarizing the complexities. So the first thing, and, and this is just something that, that everyone says, you know, Ethan Rousseau says it, our, yeah. our mutual friend Beth Dose says it, that start low, go slow. So that, that's good baseline. If you forget everything I said after this, start low, go slow. So other things and, and, and that are... Do you know that's in Sativex's uh, uh, instruction manual when you get their... It, it? Yeah, so okay. even, even the pharmaceutical companies are saying, okay, right, let's go... I don't think if they direct it as, as that is start low, go slow, but it says start low, see how your body reacts and go that way. And I mean, I work with a lot yeah. of pharmacists and they're just, 
you know, I showed them right there and they said, I'll be darned, you know? So anyway. That's funny. I guess, uh, I wonder if that's uh, Dr. So's lasting influence. Cause I know that that's a big mantra of his and then he was with GW before. So maybe, maybe that's, yeah. maybe he's, you know, his legacy continues. So, but anyways, so other kind of useful inputs for beginning users or naive users. One is that the, we, we often hear this thing about THC being an intoxicant, CBD not being an intoxicant. I don't love that black and white delineation, but what I would say is that it's good to start with products that contain CBD, because here's what happens is that the CBD actually on a receptor level is competing with the THC. So if you consume both at the same time, it's actually going to let you get some of the benefits of that THC and the, thera the therapeutic benefit and even some of this, um, you know, what our society calls the high, but the CBD helps kind of keep it at a more moderate level. So for a first time user, trialing something that is a, you know, ha has CBD in it, be it a one-to-one -one ratio or something, I think that's good. The other thing that I can recommend is to just, for example, if you're going to use a something like a smokable or a vapable product to take, don't, just don't go overboard. It goes back to start low and go slow. Take one hit, wait. If you're smoking or vaping, wait 10, 15 minutes. And, and here's the thing. We've got a lot, you know, there's a lot of time. There's always more. So there's no rush. On the flip, and then when you're talking about edible products, there's always a good option to take smaller doses. So especially if you're in a recreational market and you're buying a pack of gummies or a chocolate bar or something to take one piece or even half a piece. There's no shame in cutting a gummy bear in half, these kind of things. The other thing that I, that I want to say is that, you know, cannabis is, is, it's been prevalent in our society and it's really permeating more and more with legality uh, in, in the recent years. So I would say, don't be shy to reach out to folks you know or to seek resources. I know United Patients Group has a lot of resources for people on this topic and, and there's other resources as well. So, you know, it, it is unfortunate when stigma inhibits people and, and inhibits their ability to talk with their families and stuff like that. But I would say there's always somebody. So everyone has a, a colleague or a coworker or a friend or a family member, somebody who has an understanding of cannabis. So I guess what I'd say is there's no reason to go at it alone. There, there's, um, you know, seek support, even if, if it's not your personal network from a group that, that knows how to assist patients like yours. So it's funny. I remember when you and I spoke a few weeks ago, we were talking about that. And I think the best type of education is almost like the ripple effect, like throwing the pebble in the pond and the ripples go that way, but getting it out there. So when listening to our show here, they can share it with their family member who shares it with their doctor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I've had phone calls from buddies from high school saying, thank you. And I said, what? It's like, my mom spoke with you or my mom spoke with me. You know, the biggest advocate, my mom, who is, <laughs> unless my, if my dad didn't marry her, I, I guarantee you she was going to be a nun. <laughs> you know, so, but she, she's been the biggest advocate, but sometimes it takes that someone that's out of your circle, that's out of your true family, your, your little family circle to open the door and say, ah, 
it's like, well, I've been trying to tell you this for years, mom, but you haven't listened. And so I think the education is important for consumers. Understanding products, as you're talking about, Nigam, is, you know, look for the, the test results. Um, if you're in a legal state, you know, it's, it's almost common sense, but if you're in a legal state, you know, and you go, you, you purchase your, your product, your medicine um, uh, at a dispensary, and if they don't have, all, all companies now should have a barcode, a QR code, or a, you know, uh, uh, recent test results. And I say recent test results, I'm a fan of more about four months uh, old. I wouldn't look at something and try something that has a year or a year and a half old uh, uh, test results. And so make sure they have test results. If they don't have it in their dispensary, um, try another product because I guarantee there's a, month, there's a bunch of them out there. If they don't, call the actual company yourself. You know, they should nowadays with regulations that you're, as you were talking about, all products, uh, and I don't know if that's available in all states, but in the majority of states, you know, um, they're, that are even coming on are, are stricter than we are here in California. I mean, because back in the day, there were no regulations. I mean, if you had, if you had uh, uh, a test results for a product, you know, that was a rarity. Now, you know, now it's, it's almost mandatory, it is mandatory. Um, what, um, with you, with, uh, I guess, uh, uh, via innovations, are you coming up with new products? Do you want to talk about that or is it not, not yet uh, for the public? No, yeah, I'm happy to uh, touch on it briefly. So I work with a cannabis product formulation company called Via Innovations. So we're working on some exciting things. Uh, we formulate in a few different areas. Uh, one of which is um, oral dosing, so basically uh, fats-dissolving uh, tablets. So that's pretty cool. It's if You think about taking a kind of traditional cannabis edible where you would take a cookie or a brownie, and, you know, it may take 90 minutes or two hours to work, and, and the dosing is inconsistent and stuff like that, versus taking a pharmaceutical grade tablet that melts under your tongue in a few seconds, gives you an exact dose, is formulated in a way that it, it works quickly and you know exactly what you're getting. And there's different ones that mimic the, um, the different effects you could get from an uh, indica hybrid or sativa plant. I know that those terms are falling out of favor in the industry, but yet here we are still using them. So anyways, that's one thing. Um, Via Innovations also is working on topicals. So we, we have some really interesting IP on topical formulations. Uh, for example, excuse me, sunscreen. So that's something to keep an eye out for in the future is sunscreen that's enhanced with cannabinoids that we've actually done research to show that uh, cannabinoids can enhance the protection of sunscreen. So, so that's really great. And then uh, aside from sunscreen, there's other benefits. For example, I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with these kind of muscle rubs or other uh, topical treatments for joint pain or muscle pain or um, dermatitis and stuff like that. So, so we're working in that realm as well. So um, those are some of the things I can share for now. And, and I definitely would encourage uh, folks uh, to keep an eye out for um, via innovations technology in the future. And yeah, definitely check out our site and, and feel free to reach out to us there if you have any interest in um, 
pharmaceutical grade uh, cannabis formulations. It's funny you talk about you know all the different uses of cannabis, and a lot of times when I present, I'll put up on the on the screen in one of my slides is a big roll of duct tape, and the audience looks at me like, "Hey, you had the wrong wrong slide up there." And I said, "This duct tape, you know, people always ask me, does it work for this? Does it work for that? Is it use, useful for sunburns?" And I always say, "You know what? I don't want to say cannabis is like duct tape with a million and one uses, but when you really get down to it, I mean, I know." I know patients that, that use it on CBD, on bug bites, as well as on sunburns. Uh, so you, you coming up with a product with sunscreen, I think, is, is fantastic. Before we get away, we, you, you've spoken about the edibles and we're talking about, you know, cannabis naive patients. You know, smoking and vaping, you said take one, one little drag just to, to, to see where your body reacts um, and how, how it reacts. It's not for everybody. Edibles sometimes take half hour, up to an hour and a half, 90 minutes before you feel anything. And so just because it looks tiny and small, it looks, it's totally safe. Be careful because sometimes you don't feel it. And this happens a lot with a lot of seniors that we work with is it's a delicious cookie. They eat it. They say, God, I want another cookie. I'm not feeling anything. Next thing you know, they think they're having a heart attack and they're going to the hospital. A lot of ER doctors that we work with say one of the number one things for, for seniors that come in here and, and actually just cannabis naive patients is they think they're having a heart attack when it's actually, they just received a double dose of cannabinoids, sometimes a little un more uncomfortable than they're expecting. And cannabis once eaten, it's not like, you know, alcohol, you drink too much and you throw up and go, ooh, okay, I feel better now already. I won't be doing that again. Edibles will stay in your system. And it's, it's not life and death, but it could be uncomfortable. If that ever happens, sleep it off. You know, uh, take a warm shower if you're able to do it. Dr. Behrman, who we've had on the show numerous times, talks about chewing on pep pepper kernels, or I call it the antivenom, is have a CBD vaporizer pen that you can have and it's amazing. I know here, take some more. Most patients are like, are you nuts, nigga? I'm going to take some more. But I've seen it. And it's, can you share that before we, before we part ways here and why and how that balances out um, that the overabundance of THC in the system? Sure. Yeah. Let me respond to that directly. And then I want to come back to something about via innovation. So yeah, you, you make a good point. I was actually thinking that uh, Dr. Behrman's input, I've, I've heard that as well. Haven't tried it personally, but I've heard experts say that, and, and I don't doubt it. And you're correct. I, I was going to say the same thing, that it, it's it's funny. Usually you're right. It, it's, it's bad advice to say, oh, you're having trouble, take more. But to clarify, if you're having trouble with THC, we're not saying take more THC. We're saying take CBD. And then as I had referenced earlier, that on a molecular level, what's happening. So, so these molecules are binding to receptors in our system, which are giving us these cognitive effects. So what happens on a molecular level is the CBD is outcompeting the THC for space on those receptors. So what you're doing basically is you're replacing the high, you're replacing the effect. So if you're having uh, too much of a high and an over effect from THC, you're exactly right. What you can do is you can use a CBD a vaporizer or like uh, a fast acting CBD edible or something, which, which I'll speak to in a moment from the innovations to do exactly what you said to calm down that high. So I, I wanted to reference something else. And this is, this is kind of an, an interesting thing. And what I think is 
a, a legacy thing. And, and it's kind of interesting. It's a legacy thing. In this moment, it's a recreational thing. But because we have this issue with, you know, patients' rights and act, right to access of cannabis, we have this whole blend of medical and recreational and home grow and all these things. You know, California is a leader now, but how did we get this leadership status? We started 20 plus years ago saying, let's call it medical and get it moving. And, and then the people who cared got under that umbrella and, and so on and so forth, right? But anyways, back to talk about these products, what I'm saying about the legacy is that it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't want to say silly, but maybe it's a little bit silly that you take a person who needs medicine. Like, let's say you take a person who needed to take an aspirin yeah. for uh, their heart or to take a ibuprofen for muscle pain. You wouldn't put ibuprofen in a brownie and say, here, patient, take a, take your, eat one sixteenth of this brownie and tell me how you feel in 90 minutes. You give them a safe GMP pharmaceutically formulated pill with an exact dose and they know exactly how it works and it's been studied and verified by pharmaceutical, experienced pharmaceutical companies and by medical doctors. So that's exactly what Via Innovations does. So when I was referencing earlier, some of these uh, tablet products that we uh, kind of focus on and, and own the IP for is that that's exactly what it is. Because you think about someone who, like an older person who maybe has pain or has other issues or, you know, sleep and these kind of things, and they want to try cannabis. Why are we giving, or why, why is it that the option for this person is gummy bears or a cookie? If they can have a tablet that's just like their aspirin and it works medically and it's exact dosing and it works not in 30 to 90 minutes, but maybe in 30 to 45 minutes. So it works faster, right? So you can understand and you can dose more appropriately. So I think this evolution from kind of the legacy and some of these kind of mixed things between the rec and the med and the right to access and all that and moving towards kind of solidifying the, the function a, as a medicine that's un, that kind of aligns with how we understand medicine in other realms. I, I think that makes sense. And I think that's good for the consumer to be able to use it, use cannabis as medicine while avoiding some of these potentially negative effects that we hear these stories about. Well, it sounds like you guys are on, on uh, the, I should say the future looks bright for the cannabis uh, patients of what's out, what's around the corner, um, and uh, be innovations. And so, is this a, a a working company right now where products are available, or are you still at the uh, startup stage? Yeah, great question. So, uh, Via Innovations was started about three years ago by uh, the founder and my colleague, uh, Dr. Monica Villapondo. So, it started uh, as a consultancy, and now has grown into an uh, IP and technology company focused on this space. So what we're working on right now is continuing to uh, build and solidify our IP portfolio. And we're working uh, with partners and assessing options for bringing this technology to consumers in legal jurisdictions. So I, uh, unfortunately, I can't point the listeners right now to uh, the product, but uh, you know, John, I've so much uh, enjoyed getting to know you and, and appreciate your invite to be on your show. 
and what I'll make sure to do when we're moving closer to that uh, in, in the coming months to drop you a line and, and maybe what we could do is, is have a refresher and, and give people an idea of, of kind of what we're working on and where they can kind of find this technology. I'd love to have you on. Again, I've enjoyed you being on the show, Dr. Nega Marora. And uh, well, I was going to say the whole list, but I'll, I'll say with Via Innovations, we'll get you back on the show and you can share more about what you're doing and what you've uh, developed for the, the consumer, you know, safety uh, and accurate dosing formulations for the patient. So um, any closing words? Are you good right now? Oh, uh, yeah. I'd just like to say thanks and uh, to you know, the listeners, if they're, you know, seeking more information, uh, there is the American Chemical Society, which John mentioned in the beginning I work with. They have a cannabis chemistry subdivision, which focuses on uh, bringing professionals in the space forward to discuss research and, and give them a platform to uh, present the research and disseminate valid knowledge in the space. So that's a good resource. And um, other than that, you know, of course, um, United Patients Group. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what, what I'd like to close with and, and hope to see you soon. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you very much, Dr. Nigamarora. We'll get you back on the show. And thanks for your time as well and sharing your expertise and, and knowledge of this uh, wonderful plant. Everyone, this is John Malanka with the United Patients Group. Be informed and be well. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.